At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Wednesday, December 8th, Just Baseball Show, Aram Layton, and I'm joined by Dustin Demeter. Dustin, it's been a while since we've had you on. You're obviously still playing baseball, so not as much time to talk about it when you're playing over at Oral Roberts, but we've got a month off right now uh, in the college baseball, I guess, practice ahead of the season, and you got time for us. So I'm really excited to talk some Dodger prospects with you. And uh, first of all, though, How's the season, or not season, how's practice going, and how are you feeling getting ready to go now for what is your final college baseball season after a good four years at Hawaii, now one grad transfer year over at Oral Roberts? Dude, it was good. Um, Had a great fall. Um, Loved Tulsa. First time in the South, so that was different, but I know it was a really good time. And really excited to be back on the Just Baseball show. You guys are killing it. (laughs) Yeah, a lot has changed since you last came on. What, it was probably a couple months ago, and uh, now we added a couple episodes. Uh, We've been just rattling off just episodes, climbing up the charts, and uh, it's pretty cool to be able to have this prospect side of things as well that we added on Wednesdays. Uh, But a little bit of news on that end, we're going to be starting a separate prospects podcast that will be just baseball prospects that'll be hosted by me. And of course you will be a frequent guest on that as well, because uh, for those who may not know, you helped me a lot, a lot with the top 100 list. I mean, you played a huge part in putting those write-ups together and just bouncing prospect stuff. I mean, even before we really dove into just baseball, when it was still project the plate, you and I were talking prospects and kind of gauging things. And we always seem to be on the same page. Uh, And if we're not, It makes me kind of reevaluate things, see maybe if I'm off, if we're on the same page, then generally I'm like, okay, uh, I feel pretty good and convicted about uh, whatever I feel about this certain prospect. The crazy thing about this Dodger system is that 
we, we were talking about it earlier. It's totally interchangeable where number one could be number five and number three could be number four. You don't really see that in many farm systems, but that's a testament to just how talented and how much upside a lot of these Dodgers prospects have. Depending on what you prioritize in a prospect, that's how you could kind of make the case for one versus five. We're going to go through one through 10, obviously spend some more time on the top end guys. And Bobby Miller is number one. And I know, you know, dating back to when we first, you know, really started talking prospects. I know you love that 2020 draft class by the Dodgers, a ton of really interesting and high upside college arms, which generally it's high upside in high school, or you're going with the higher floor guys from college. That's changed a little bit just because everybody throws 98 now. Uh, But I thought the Dodgers just nailed that 2020 draft when it comes to the arms still early. But I think early results are showing that they did a pretty darn good job. And Bobby Miller seems to be the guy that's really uh, standing out above everybody else. Yeah, I mean, that 2020 draft, like you said, it was just a bunch of like really high upside arms. You know, like they had something wrong with them, which is why some teams were like they dropped a little bit, some kind of uh, arm issue or some type of injury. But I remember I remember watching Bobby Miller on YouTube and just being like, how did this guy fall to the 29th pick, whatever he was, because it was it was an arm side sinker and it was like a slider from hell. So I was like, the Dodgers really made a good pick here. Since joining Pro Bowl, since getting in the Dodgers system too, um, it seems like his changeup and his curveball have really taken strides forward too. So it's like when he's on, it, I mean, he doesn't look like a fun at bat because it's like four plus pitches, um, nothing straight, uh, big long levers too. Uh, just releases the ball, gets great extension. Like he just does not look like a fun at bat at all. It's funny you mentioned the changeup. You know, when I was writing him up, well, first of all, the fastball. You know, you you talk about how he slid a little bit in the draft, I guess, because he really should have been a top fifteen pick if we had a full twenty twenty season. But he really saw his stuff jump up, kind of like Garrett Crochet did in that shortened 2020 season, he only made four starts. So it wasn't enough for some teams to feel confident in, you know, what they saw enough to spend a first round pick on him. It was enough for the Dodgers though. And they're reaping the rewards of that. The craziest thing about him is the VLO continued to tick up. He kind of parlayed that momentum into the alternate training site and then continued to just improve as the season went on. By the time we got to the Arizona fall league, he was sitting 98 and he has a four seamer that has some more life and is more of that play up in the zone pitch. He's got the two-seamer, as you mentioned, great ground ball pitch, got more than a 50% ground ball rate on that offering. So what what I like, and I texted you this earlier, is that that's something that Sandy Alcantara took time to be able to separate those two fastballs, but it really helped him because his slider and changeup have developed too. There's some similarities in the arsenal. Um, And and Sandy, you know, didn't always sit 99. It it was more in the mid-90s. He's seen that tick up too both really good athletes. What I like about Sandy, what I think has really helped take him to the next level is that that four seamer plays up. Now you're thinking about that. Then you got to worry about the two seamer. You got to worry about a really good change up and it's hard to differentiate the two seamer and the change up. And then he's got that slider as well. Those pitches work off of each other really well. Not very many guys can do that. And the other thing that I really like, and I'm curious from your perspective, because this is where it's really helpful uh, when it comes to the prospect analysis, uh, because you know, I've been removed from it. I haven't faced the quality of guys now, like at a high end college level that you faced from your time at Hawaii and now over at Oral Roberts. But when you have a guy that's confident enough to throw a slider to a lefty, you're a left-handed hitter. I mean, that is pretty tough to think about too, right? Because you're worried about a change up 
which is generally what left-handed hitters are going to see more. But what, what really amazed me is that Bobby Miller is not afraid to try and back leg left-handed hitters with the slider because it's so sharp. Can, can you kind of just explain to listeners how difficult that is to hit and, and how rare it is to really see that many pitchers this early in their development have confidence? Because if you miss over the middle, that's a pitch that you're loving to see a hanging slider over the middle, but if that executed properly, it, it it's impossible to hit. Right. So like against somebody like Bobby Miller, like you said, having two fastballs is really tough because if you just got the sinker change up and slider, you're just trying to see the ball up. But then that kind of changes when you're striking sliders at the back foot, because you're going to see spin and shut it down, right? You're looking for something elevated and over the part of the plate. So you're going to see that spin, you're going to shut it down. And then, like I said, you're trying to see it up. So if he goes up with a forcing, you're done because you're, st- you're going to go on that pitch. So having the two fastballs, like you said, like Sandy, I mean, it can be just completely change the way your at-bat goes. So, I mean, if you can, if he can keep continue to improve both of those pitches and really get the command of it, like Sandy, I mean, you're looking at a really good pitcher. And what, what really amazes me too is, you know, you look at like I said, I'm going to relate it to another Marlin, uh, but Sixto Sanchez, he does not get the swings and misses that you would expect. And it's exactly for what you said. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, it's 100 with movement. Why is he not getting crazy strikeout rates? Because he's 100 with movement and it's arm side run. And then his best offering to change up. And then he has an okay slider that, that really was hit or miss. So everything that, that, like you said, if, if you didn't see it up, you shut it down. And that's why he was not getting the strikeouts that you would expect. He did still pitch well because it's still one Oh one, but guys are, you know, grounding out or not. You're not getting the, the big K numbers that you would expect. Miller is already setting himself up for success. And I'm sure the Dodgers have a big part in that. We see how they help develop their arms. Uh, but when we look at the numbers, something I've noticed too, and this is, I mean, you are a Dodgers fan. Uh, so anecdotally, they kind of baby their pitchers a little bit, right? Through the beginning. I always see these guys that have 20 starts and they've thrown like 70 innings. And oh, Miller is not too different. 11 starts, 47 innings uh, in high A, and then three starts, nine innings in double A. That's like a common thing with the Dodgers, right? Oh, they do it with all their young prospects. Like you'll look at any of those 2020 guys from that draft um, and you know, they didn't throw very many innings. And I mean, the Dodgers are obviously super smart, but it kind of leaves you with a smaller sample size than you'd like. So it's kind of, it's kind of hard to evaluate them based on their stats when they're only throwing like 50 innings a year by default. Like that's what the Dodgers are trying to get out of them. So it's just kind of interesting. Well, that's why I was surprised to see him sent to the Arizona Fall League because he did hit that 50 innings mark. Uh, But, you know, part of that was that I think he really was starting to feel the change up and they wanted to continue that going because I was watching video from the fall league and you're so right. That change up looked ridiculous. It was really separating well too. He was keeping that more in the upper eighties at times during the season, it was too firm and it was more in the low nineties and you didn't have that separation. But when you have a fastball upper nineties, you have a slider mid eighties, you have a change up upper eighties, and he also will mix in a curveball every once in a while uh, in the low eighties. Now you've got like almost four distinct speeds to think about uh, to wrap up on Miller. I mean, the, the sky's the limit, right? When you, when you're thinking about that as a hitter, I mean, that's a nightmare when he's on, I don't see how anyone's going to really be able to, to be able to hit him that frequently. Absolutely, man. And like you said, like, if he can start striking that slider to lefties and maybe start striking the changeup against righties, I mean, that'll completely change the way he pitches. And um, he will be 
not fun to face for anybody at that point. The numbers on the year uh, as a whole between high A and double A, he pitched 56 and a thirds inning, struck out 30% of batters. Also really impressively, great command. You, you can see he's a, he's a great athlete on the mound. Walked only two batters per nine. Um, or if you want to go K minus BB, 25% there. 199 or not 191, excuse me, opponent batting average and a 2.4 ERA. So you can't ask for a much better debut, whether they, you know, put him in small stints or not. The one thing I want to see is he develops, obviously is like, how does he look at the second time around the lineup, third time around the lineup, even though that's kind of rare nowadays, uh, because most of the time he probably only went through a lineup once, maybe halfway through the second time. That's something we we'll want to see, but the four offerings kind of make that a, a lot better for him where you don't think it's going to be much of an issue. We're going to go from pitcher now to hitter. And this is where I think we are going to differentiate from a lot of other guys. And I wanted to, because this was something I was thinking about. And I was like, dude, is this crazy if we have Miguel Vargas number two? But I don't see how Miguel Vargas isn't number two. Because yes, you've got to look at the tools. Yes, you've got to look at the characteristics of just the way he plays the game, the swing, all of those things. But you also just can't ignore the numbers. You just can't ignore what he did between high A and double A. And this is a third baseman who I think is going to stick at the position. But between those two levels, Dustin, I mean, I don't think people realize how much he raked. I don't even think you realize to a degree how much he raked this year, partly because the Dodger system is great and partly because I don't think he was a household name coming into the season. But between high A and double A, 319, 380, 526 slash line, 142 WRC plus most impressively with the power that he produced because he hit 23 home runs, only an eight percent or only a 16% strikeout rate and a pretty solid 8% walk rate. I mean, this guy did it all. He didn't strike out. He hit for power and his numbers didn't even take a hit at all from high A to double A. And I think what we saw big time this year is that was a huge jump for a lot of hitters for Mm -hmm. him. WRC plus dropped by one point from 142 to 141 from high A to double A. And his K rate dropped by 3%. Walk rate rose by 4%. This guy makes it look easy. I'll let you kind of get into the fundamentals of his swing because it reminds me of somebody. I don't know if I told you, but I want to see like you talk about the swing and then I'll kind of say who he reminds me a little bit of uh, with, with his swing at the plate. I mean, the guy just mashes like you just said, like, the guy mashes because I remember coming into the year, I looked at this guy, Miguel Vargas, because he had some he had some hype around him because he hit last year, too. But the question was, like, where is he going to play defensively? Is he going to hit for any power? And like what I should have computed in my mind is the Dodgers know how to make guys hit home runs like they're going to target guys that can hit. And then they're going to teach you to put some loft under it and drive the ball to all fields. So. Um, the swing is just like, it's like butter, man. I, I could watch his swing on loop so many times. Uh, you said you had a comp for him. I, okay. I'm going to throw out mine real quick. Cause this is, this is like, it's lofty and I'm not comparing him to this player, but I think it kind of looks like Buster Posey a little bit, really a little bit the way it just like glides through the zone. He's, he just slotted up right away. Interesting. Cause you know, it, it mine's a little bit different. And the only reason I was saying this is just because most guys you're hearing really preached a lot through pro baseball. I don't know if this is something that's kind of made its way to where you're at too, but I've heard or talked to so many guys that are really preaching the 90 degree angle, you know, and kind of really just trying to keep the barrel flat. Even when you're getting slotted, you got to be really twitchy and really quick and whippy to be able to have that almost lightning rod type of barrel like right. when you're getting loaded. 
and then still be able to get that barrel through the zone? Because it's just, if you think about it, if your barrel's pointing up in the air, it's going to take more time to get to where you need to hit. Right. So a lot of guys are trying to keep 90 degree angles and that's something that you look at a lot of prospects who broke out this year. They made that change. It's not necessarily cookie cut, but that's something that I know has been you know, one of the things that's been talked about when you look at just optimizing uh, your path from, you know, when you start launching forward to getting to the point of contact, he doesn't have to do that though, because he's so whippy. And it reminds me a little bit on that side of Carlos Correa, because Correa has that same kind of starting point doesn't move much and easily just generates that power. The difference with Vargas is he gets more easy lift through the zone. I see what you're saying. I kind of agree with the way his back goes through the zone, the easy lift like Posey. But what's really amazing is, is to me is how he's able to start from where he's at, not move much at all and just still have so much explosion. And you watched him plenty. It's also to all fields too. Oh yeah, man. This guy can absolutely drive baseballs. And like you said, like he's just got like some crazy strong, like wrists and hands and stuff. Like for him to be able to do the damage on some of the pitches that I've seen him do damage on, like you just got to be like, you got to have some freakish hand strength and and he's whipping that thing through quick. It's, it's really unbelievable. And you talk about the way that they're able to help unlock power and players. If you have the hit tool uh, in which he does, we talk about the K rates. I mean, if you look at home runs versus sub 20% K rates, it's a very short list of players that have 20, 20 or more home runs and a 20% or lower K rate. Vargas is one of them. And, you know, it's a, it's, it's a short list. I think he's going to stick at third. I don't think he's ever going to be a great defender. I think he's good enough. And something you mentioned to me before is he could end up being that replacement for Justin Turner, right? Like how far off is this guy? Because he played 83 games at double A and mashed. Uh, I think double A is the big test nowadays. Yes. Triple A can be a little bit more challenging depending on where you're at uh, and how many former big leaguers are there. And there's a little bit more data that they're able to kind of pull on you and mostly more experienced guys. But if you can hit the way he hit in double A, which was a 386 on base percentage along with 16 homers. I mean, this guy could be up next year, right? I mean, I think it's very possible that we see Vargas in LA by the end of next year. Um I mean, if he continues to hit like he's hitting, I mean, that that's a valuable bench bat. And you never know with Justin Turner. I mean, he's like – he's got to be like, what, like 38 now? Kind of tailed off at the end. I think we could see Vargas in L.A. next year. That would be unreal because, I mean, I think he can do it. And another – just another prospect that just comes out and just absolutely hits. Exit Velo's up there too. That's the thing is, is he's able to put up some exit Velo's upwards of – 107, 108, 109, pretty frequently, uh, which I think is a really big tell. And then the other thing, the the last thing I'll say on Vargas that kind of stands out to me is it probably won't surprise you with how simple his swing is and how quick he is to the ball. It seems like he has way more time to make decisions, right? And as a result, he hit every pitch this year, which kind of makes sense given that he hit for a high average and didn't strike out much. But it was just amazing to see how he hit against every offering. Hit 302 with a... 870 OPS against fastballs hit 313 with an 880 OPS against breaking balls hit 314 with an 867 OPS against changeups. How do you attack this guy? What do you do? What do you do? He was like, I don't know, dude. He's like 21 too. Like that's, that's pretty messed up. That's crazy. It's, It's unfair. He turned 22, 20 days ago. So to your point was 21 through the duration of that season. Oh, by the way, he also was one for one against knuckleballs with a home run. So he hit every single pitch thrown his way. Uh, I 
I think that people are sleeping on this guy. And I think when you and I start working on the top 100 list, I'm going to be begging you to talk me out of putting him way up there uh, because I think people still aren't quite coming around to the degree that they should on somebody like Miguel Vargas, because I mean, what is there to knock on this guy? He even stole some bags. Like he even stole some bags. So I'm excited about him. One of my favorite guys right now in the minors and definitely have a lot going for him there. Uh, Coming up now on number three, another bat, huge upside, not as much of the production that we've seen just because he missed some time with injury and he's also still ridiculously young, but this is somebody that you kind of put on a, my radar before this season. And it's a catcher by the name of Diego Cartaya, who just turned 20, by the way, three days ago. So happy belated birthday to Diego Cartaya. He was a teenager last year and still dismantled baseballs in 31 games and in low A, he hit 10 home runs in 31 low A games Hit 298, 409, 614. Really a shame that we saw his season cut short because of obviously how hot of a start he was on to. Uh, but I know this is somebody that you really like. Yeah, I fell in love with Cartaya last year. Um, everybody was kind of on the Kiebert Ruiz train. And I just was like, they got a catcher who's better and younger. Because when I watched Cartaya, I was just blown away by like how how slow the game was for him he just held himself like on a different standard and he's like he's a plus defender behind the plate he's got a cannon he's got dumb pop um the only thing was that you pointed out to me was like he's got a crazy pull rate so i mean i believe in this guy making adjustments at the next level yeah i think he's going to learn to hit the ball the other way i think he's going to learn to pick his spots but um all in all just like a really good prospect in my opinion. Yeah. So, so as a hitter, you know, you're somebody that I think, you know, is, is really comfortable going to all fields, but you're also not somebody that's trying to hit 35 home runs in a, in a given season. How concerned are you, you know, just knowing what, you know, I know you think you can make the, the adjustment, but what does that kind of say about him right now? Is it just that he's looking at a certain location that he's cheating a little bit? I mean, I was looking at some of his takes on breaking balls. It seemed like, you know, the front side was kind of going already. Uh, how is he still able to hit the way he hit though, with a 60% pull rate? Uh, like that's something that yes, small sample size, 30 games, but still enough to kind of see that that's a habit that he has right now. I think I agree. Like the Dodgers, they will help develop guys as well as anybody. And that's something I'm sure he's working on, but what is that kind of saying about somebody's approach uh, and and the way that they're kind of just what they're dealing with at the plate right now uh, when they're pulling the ball two thirds of the time. So for me, like, I feel like he's just sitting up there and he's kind of sitting dead red. I don't think he thinks that people can beat him. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I'm just going to go up there. I'm going to get mine. I'm going to look to pull the ball in the air and you're not going to make the pitches necessary for me to come off my game plan. So I think once he gets to the higher levels, you know, they start striking stuff on the other side of the plate. He'll have to change his approach. But for right now, where he was at this year, he was perfectly fine just sitting dead red and doing damage. So um, I think it's I think it's a it's a maturity adjustment that he'll have to make. But I think he's going to make it. Yeah, I think that's a great point, too. And it's kind of backed by the statistics, too. Hit 340 against fastballs, hit just 182 against sliders. And he saw him a good deal. Uh, But, you know, he was just pulverizing fastballs to such a ridiculous degree that he was able to still put together the numbers on a macro scale. But 
at the end of the day, you get to the higher levels. Low way pitchers can't execute their pitches that, that way, right? Yeah. You get to the upper levels. The Bobby Millers of the world are going to give you a steady diet of plus sliders break into the outer half. And who knows, they may square off, you know, in spring training or something or whatever kind of situation they could be squaring off that the Dodgers have. He would get eaten alive by Bobby Miller at this point. And that's not to knock Cartaya. He's 20 years old. And what you mentioned before, too, is you can kind of see his poise behind the dish. You can see uh, the way he controls the game. And everything I've heard and read has reinforced that about him just having that grade A makeup, really commanding the game behind the dish. And I feel like that's going to translate into a better approach behind or, or sorry, at the plate as well. Uh, so I, I, that's why I'm not too worried about it. I think the more important thing is that we see what he's capable of uh, and we do see some good things there. Uh, but that's the one thing to watch moving forward, because if he does struggle and it doesn't get any better, that's something that we'll have to kind of adjust what we're looking at. But at 20 years old, uh, not something that we're really uh, panicking about or, or really even impacting his overall value, I think, as a prospect. Now we look at number four and another bat and another kid, another kid. Like, that's the crazy thing. It's Andy Pages, an outfielder that also kind of came from nowhere a little bit. I feel like you can kind of attest to this a little bit more because you're more connected to what Dodgers fans are saying. Did this guy have that much buzz going into the year? You know, he didn't really have the buzz that you'd expect because last year in rookie ball, the dude went crazy. Like he was hitting home runs. Um, I think the concern was, you know, he's striking out a lot. Um, But this year, I mean, the strikeout rate was manageable. Um, He's a crazy athlete. Um, He can run well. I mean, the power is obviously the calling card, but the way he manages at bats are is is pretty special for how young he is. And the damage he can do when he gets mistakes is pretty crazy. Another guy who turns 21 years old in 30 days, so still just a kid. And at age 20, and then this is all he did last year. And by the way, at 18 years old in rookie ball, hit 19 bombs, as you mentioned. 28% K rate in rookie ball. You're like, oh, how is he going to do in high A? Improve that to 24% and also offset that, I think, with with a good deal of walks at a 14% clip. 31 bombs, <laughs> 31 bombs in high A, 265, 394, 539 slash line. I do see, you know, a pretty aggressive approach at times. You know, we could see him. And again, when you're hitting home runs and just abusing pitching in high A uh, or low A, the way that those two guys have in Cartaya and Pages, it's hard to not be aggressive, right? Like, how are you going to tell these guys to not be aggressive when they have 30 jacks or when they have 10 jacks and 30 games? It's harder to, to get that to translate to a 20-year-old's head. But you know what will make it easier to translate is some struggles in double A. And I'm not saying he's necessarily going to struggle. Even through the first couple of weeks, you get some ABs under your belt and you're like, okay, this is different. This is different. And I think this is another situation where that's all you really need. Uh, I, for me, it's just he knows he can demolish fastballs. He's been demolishing fastballs. And that's why he's been so aggressive. Uh, but it worked for him. That's something to watch moving forward. You know, 25% K rate in high A is still something, you know, that you're you're monitoring. But overall, still was pretty good against the slider. Curveballs gave him a bit more of a fit. And I think that's interesting, too, is how is a guy effective against a slider but not a curveball as much uh, as a hitter? Is that swing plane? Is that pitch wreck? You know, what do you think? Or is that kind of a case-by-case thing? I think it's kind of a case-by-case thing. Um I'm, I'm sure you can identify it. There might be like a little gap in the way, you know, he's impacting the curveball because it's coming down. 
Um, but you know, it could be a variety of different things. Like I wouldn't be too worried about it. Like I wouldn't personally be. And another guy though, with, with a pretty big leg kick, uh, a little bit of movement, but mm-hmm. I'm not worried about it because again, he's just so twitchy, so quick and just absurdly explosive utilizes his whole body. You talk about the athlete in him. You can really see it at the plate uh, because of that leg kick, but then the rotational explosion, the bat speed, there's just so much there. He really uses the lower half. He uses every ounce of his body uh, and, and it doesn't really seem to be max effort at the same time. Uh, and that's why I'm a big fan of this kid. Uh, probably going to end up in a corner, right? I mean, he's a big dude. I don't know if he's going to maintain that kind of speed. What's your thoughts on that? I mean, right now he's presently an above average runner, uh, but it's a challenge when you're 20 and already kind of this big, uh, you've been this built to stick in center, right? Yeah. I mean, I think he's going to fill out too much. Um, He's not like a burst runner, you know, like a lot of center fielders, you need burst speed. Like you need to be able to get to that top speed quick. He's not that guy. It takes him a little while to get going. I think he's got an absolute hose. So I think the right field profile fits him to a T. Well, that's where he played a majority of his games last year. 82 starts in right field. He did make 27 starts in center field. So, you know, if you're in a pinch, even just having someone that's capable of playing center, I think is great too. You know, I I think he could be a plus defender in the corner, uh, but even just having someone, Aaron Judge at times has to get thrown into center and just having someone that you know can be competent out there in a pinch is valuable. And, And I think when you look at the glove, you got to put an above average future value on his glove. And I think there's, you could put, you put that into the equation as well. You're getting value defensively. You're getting massive offensive production. I mean, this is a guy that could be a seven, eight war player if he puts it all together on, on his best seasons. And uh, that's crazy to say for a guy that's fourth in their farm system. Like th- this is the thing we're talking about. Anybody that says that the, the Dodgers aren't a top five system to me, or I think is crazy. I looked at MLB pipelines rankings and, you know, I don't try to like, I don't want to bash any other opinions. I think it's, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's opinions, but I'm looking at the system. I'm like, in what world <laughs> are they not top five? Like even top 10, like they're not even top 10 for you. They, they were, yeah. I think 16, right? Right. One spot ahead of the Padres. I that just blows my mind to me. This is a top five system. Uh, and I think we're going to continue to prove that as we go through these guys. Uh, but like, what do you think the ceiling is to wrap up on, on Andy pages? Um, I think it's kind of like a lower tier. He kind of reminds me like a lower tier Aaron judge, like the typical right field profile, big body, big power, big arm. Obviously pages doesn't have the crazy like 80 grade raw power that uh, judge has, but it's kind of that profile, like in a smaller scale, in my opinion. So, I mean, I like pages. I think if he gets his strikeouts in order, when he continues to go up through the system, I think he's going to be, really intriguing at that point the power and the power and speed and athleticism is pretty special and it's funny you know it's like oh he doesn't have 80 raw power but he's 65 70 raw That's power future worst. value you know yeah. so it, it, it's still off the charts and and somebody i'm really excited to see moving forward and well inside of the top 100 list another player that i know you've been talking about for a little bit and somebody that i've, I've talked to some minor leaguers uh, at the upper levels and kind of asked them who's your most uncomfortable at bat. And a lot of people said this guy, even though he hit a little bit of a wall in AAA, which kind of happens because the zone gets tighter, but it's Ryan 
Pepiot, right? Pepiot. I, 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 I butcher his name. Your guess is as good as mine. I have no idea. Let's say Pepiot. 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 Okay. Let's let's go with that. Well, Ryan Pepiot, like they're like, oh, well, you can't say his name, and I'm supposed to listen about what you know about him. <laughs> yeah. I could tell you way more about his his fastball, his curveball, and his changeup than I could with the pronunciation of his name. Uh, but freakish stuff too. I mean, we're yes. talking freakish stuff. I got to talk to some really good hitters in the minors that said there were ABs where you felt like you had no chance. Uh, that's the kind of stuff that he has carved up double a, I mean, I'm talking 2.80 RA 12.2 Ks per nine. Uh, and, and just was attacking hitters then hit triple a and in 41 innings, he, he, he struggled. I mean, a seven ERA, a seven FIP, uh, struggled to keep the ball in the yard, uh, which I think it was a little bit of bad luck. 23% home run to fly ball rate. Just like, no way that a quarter of the fly balls are going to fly out of the yard for him moving forward. Uh, but we'll talk about some of the struggles he had in AAA. But first, more of the good. Uh, you just wrote him up for this top 10. What really stood out to you about what, what he has going on with his stuff? I think he has a really good opportunity to be like really good at tunneling because his feel for his arm side fastball is pretty pretty significant. Like he can command it to his arm side really well. And then he's got that bugs bunny changeup that just stops and it's like 88. And then he's got a pretty good slider that he can use to his glove side. So, I mean, the stuff is ridiculous because the fastball will get up to like 98. Um, so he's working in the mid nineties. He's a big body too. And like, it looks like kind of lowish effort to me. Like it's going to get on you a little bit. Um, I saw some of the data you sent me about the fastball and it's got some good arm side run. It's got a little bit of zip to it. It's going to play up in the zone. Um, but definitely for Pepio, the changeup is the bread and butter. Cause that thing is crazy. Um, it rocks like really high spin rates. Um, hitters look really, really stupid when they swing. <laughs> there, was was some bad some swing. there was some bad, some really bad swing. I was seeing some big leaguers take bad swings off that guy. Like it was, it was, it's a crazy changeup. So that's going to be the bread and butter of his arsenal. Um, I think he's going to take another step forward once he learns to really command it. Cause it's more like to me, like a swing and miss offering right now. So once he can kind of throw that in the zone, the lefties and righties kind of get a pitch to get him back into counts. And right now it's just a bunch of strikeout stuff. Um, once he kind of refines the command of those secondaries, I think he's, he has a chance to be really, really special. I think he's, I, I think he could be really good. I had a, a lot of the same takeaways and, and the change up, man, like I, I, I haven't seen those kind of hitter reactions in a while yeah. on, on pitches like that. I mean, and you, you and I always talk about this. Yes, the the movement profile, the pure stuff, that's important. But you also have to look at the hitter reactions because that was something mm-hmm. that I always loved when I was talking Trevor Rogers and I was telling you like Trevor Rogers rookie of the year, Trevor Rogers rookie of the year. You look at the stuff, the movement profile, it's not that insane. Uh yes, he he throws hard. Yes, it's a tough arm slot. That's the thing. Is some guys have their stuff that just plays off each other, plays off itself so well. And Sometimes you just got to watch the hitters. And I saw guys against Trevor Rogers take some of the most embarrassing swings I've seen in spring training. I'm watching and I'm thinking about it. Like if I'm a hitter, what am I looking for here? He's got a fastball that is a slingshot that kind of comes out of nowhere. It gets in on you really quick. And then he has a changeup that looks exactly the same, similar to the, the Bugs Bunny type of thing, like you're saying, where it just stops. So you're thinking about the fastball 
And then he throws you that changeup as a righty, miserable. Then he has the slider he mixes in as well. That looks like it's coming at your front hip as a lefty. And that's why he's just dominant against lefties and righties. <coughs> that's something that I'm looking at for Ryan Pepiot. And I'm like, the movement profile is already off the charts. But once he learns how to utilize his stuff a little bit more and also command the fastball, that's what stood out to me the most was when I was looking at, okay, what went wrong? Why did he give up so many homers? Almost all of them came on the fastball. I'd say like 80%, I believe, of the home runs he gave up came on the fastball. And most of the time it was just target was here, missed over the middle, missed up. And as you mentioned earlier, most of these guys are probably shutting down the change up. If you could pick it up, if you can't pick it up, you make the stupid swing, but anything that was starting, I think knee high and below, they were shutting that down. Uh, so when, when you had the fastball up, I, I would guess that several hitters and a lot of the home runs he gave up, they were, they were trying to cheat for the fastball up. And when he missed over the middle, that's when they end up leaving the yard. And I think that was where smarter hitters in triple a tighter zone, uh, you got exposed a little bit more, uh, with not being able to hit those spots, he still, you know, doesn't have as many innings in his minor league career as you'd think because, of course, no 2020 season. So people look at the age and they're like, oh, well, he's 24 years old. Yes, but he has not thrown much, partly because of the Dodgers mold and partly because of the no 2020 season. He, he hasn't even hit 200 innings in his minor league career. So you got to kind of ignore the age here, focus on the fact that he really hasn't gotten that many uh, opportunities to just harness his stuff. But is this somebody that you think could figure it out uh, next year? And what would his role be with the Dodgers? Is he a bullpen guy? Could they use him in, in the rotation at times? Like this is already a loaded team. We know his stuff would play in the bullpen, uh, but you know, what does his future look like? And what does his timeline look like? I mean, I think you nailed it pretty good. It's like I was, when I was watching him, like I said, I thought his arm side command of the theater was really good. But I did notice when he was going glove side, that thing would leak over the middle a lot. So I think for him, it's going to be about really using both sides of the plate. If he can use both sides of the plate, I think he's going to be a big league starter. But if you want to rush him, if you want to be want him to be in the bullpen next year, I think it, it's pretty close to being ready already because he can go air it out, throw 97, 98 with that changeup and be just fine. And the difference is, though, like, yes, they could do that if they wanted to. But this isn't Brute Stark Gratterall, right? Like, this is a guy whose stuff right. really separates and, and works off of itself really well. Where Gratterall kind of has the problem we were talking about before, where it's it's kind of hard and harder. And he doesn't command it that well. And, right. and you know, he found a way to make it work in the bullpen. But I think, you know, that that's a difference here is I think this is this is a much higher ceiling here with, with this guy, right? Yeah, I think. I think that. His athleticism and the poise on the mound. Um, I just think that there's big things in his future. I'm a big Pepio fan for sure. So next up is, is one of the guys that I think is also closer to the big league debut potentially, and maybe not as outrageous of a ceiling as you're going to see from some of these other guys that we talked about, but a really high floor and still could be a very good above average regular Bat first, no doubt about it, but had a great year in double A. It must have been miserable for pitchers to face these minor league affiliates for the Dodgers because Michael Bush in double A, 107 games at that level, 267, 386, 484 slash line, 20 bombs, drove in 67, and just all around just had a steady, steady year. You know, just he's going to swing and miss a little bit. He's going to walk a ton. And he seems to just, even when he's not hitting great, he gets on base. He gives you value. 
And it's really reminiscent to a guy that he that's at the big league level right now for the Dodgers in Max Muncie. Bush, below average second baseman, could move to first, could play below average second base if you want. There's some similarities there. I think Muncie's better defensively, uh, but I see a lot there uh, between those two guys. He was drafted in 2019, so we haven't seen too much of him because of the no 2020 season. Uh, but to really just kind of make that jump to double A, really good year from him. Yeah, he made it seamlessly. Um the walks were still high. The homers were high. Um, he has surprising bat-to-ball skills for a player that you kind of envision for him. You know, he, he's got the ability. He's got pull-side juice. He's good at lofting the ball in the air. Um, and like you said, it's kind of that Max Muncy profile to a T. Like left-hand stick, like about six feet tall. Um, kind of like below average's defense, but the bat's going to play, so... Uh, my only concern when he was drafted was that if the power was going to translate, um, and obviously it has. And I think, what do you think, Arm? You think uh, Bush is going to be ready next year? Like, I, I think he, I think he can be. Uh, there's, there's a level of me that's a little concerned of like, okay, what's the swing and miss going to look like? But the zone contact rate was actually really solid, eighty three percent zone contact, which would be right about big league average. Obviously this is double a, uh, but double a pitching was, was so good this year. And, and I put a lot of stock into that. You know, he made a lot of contact. I think sometimes he just was almost too passive at the plate. I'm watching ABs where he knows he can walk. He knows he can, he can get deep into counts and still be okay. That's what you're talking about. Like surprisingly good bat to ball skills, but you get into a two strike count, no matter how good your bat to ball skills are, it just takes one good pitch, right? Or you right. get into a one strike count, you foul one off and then one bad call. Uh, I mean, it's still double A umpires. Uh, so I think that that is part of it. And I would say that would go into the favor of me saying, yeah, I think he could actually be ready next year. Again, though, do the Dodgers need him? Obviously injuries happen. We saw the Dodgers get decimated. So having somebody like him, you know, I think makes sense. He's going to start the year in triple A, I would assume. And I think he's going to hit really well there because I can't emphasize enough how much tighter the zone gets there uh, from catchers. I've talked to, to pitchers I've talked to like that's someone that I think really benefits from that. He has an above average by, I mean like better than average uh, chase rate, meaning that he chases about 5% less than what you see from double a, uh, the zone contacts high. So that's why I feel like the, the, the strikeout rates more of him just being too passive. I wonder if they almost want him to be more aggressive, but you also don't want to undermine what is, a really big part of his game, which is getting on base a ton. And also to me, take some pressure off of, you know, the production side. Now, what are you thinking here as a hitter? Now, what, what would you be telling him? Uh, because you want to see him kind of be a little bit more aggressive, but also I like that he gets on base so much. Yeah. It almost seems like he's like really keyholing a spot, like early in counts. Uh, like you said, he's comfortable getting into late into uh, deep counts. So he's just going to be sitting there waiting for one. Um, till at least one strike and probably even two. And I think the difference you'll have to see him make, the adjustment he's going to have to make is maybe taking what they give him early in the count. Like if they think you're going to just take, because that's what you normally do, sometimes you got to mix in a base to, to left field or something like that. So I think that I like his profile going forward. I'll say that I do. Yeah. So what do you think though? I almost – when I'm looking at some of these other prospects, this is, I like Bush a lot, but this is probably the guy if we're making, if I'm making a trade, 
he's probably one of the guys I'm, I'm moving, right? Like, is he somebody that you think could be a trade piece? Like, I don't want to trade any of the guys we just mentioned at all. Uh, Bush, I like, yeah. but that's probably somebody that you could be okay trading. And there's going to be a lot of teams that want that bat. It's, I feel like it's because you know he's not going to be a superstar. Like with the guys we just mentioned, like there's a chance that those guys turn out to be like five plus war players at the end of their at the when they fully develop. So I just feel like Bush has probably the lowest ceiling. He's also got a really high floor though. So and I know the Dodgers covet that quite a bit. So, but I think you're right, Arm. I think if they make a trade, Bush could go. And there is a little bit of the concern. How's he going to hit lefties? You know, he, he still gets into some power against lefties, but struggled. The splits are a little bit worse than you would expect from a guy with a good approach. And, and he really seemed to get burned by that, that left on left slider as so many guys do. Uh, but that's something to kind of watch moving forward too. Uh, but could get you a nice player in part of a package. Uh, and I'd much rather trade him than some of the other dudes that we were talking about, because I mean, these other guys, like you said, superstar upside, you know that you're not going to, really, really kick yourself if, if Bush ends up hitting a ceiling. It would hurt a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, these other guys, if they hit their ceiling, Dodgers Dodgers fans will never let uh, the front office hear the end of it uh, with some of these other guys. Uh, going back to the pitching side of things, and these dudes, again, kind of interchangeable uh, between Landon Knack and Clayton Beater. Uh, we'll start with Landon Knack because he comes in at seven. And really, for me, I, I love the stuff equally from both dudes. As lame as this sounds, what it really came down to for me was just, I was like, these guys are neck and neck. I'm just going to put it down to just who had the better year. And to me, you know, it, it was, it was pretty clear that you saw Landon Ack have the better year. Uh, and that was really what, what the separator was for me. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what, what impresses you about Knack? Another guy from that 2020 class, another guy who has just great stuff. Yeah, I think with Knack, um, his big thing is his command, specifically of his fastball. He can put that thing wherever he wants it. Um, the walk rates were like stupid low this year. Um, he kind of just cruised and um, he's got a curveball, slider, and a changeup. Um, but I think for Knack, like the big thing for him is his command of his four pitches. And I think that's all. What's going to separate him is like, I don't know if there's one absolutely devastating pitch, but I think he's got a pretty good shot of being a pretty uh, solid starting pitcher. So that's the thing too, right? We're kind of in that same situation where a lot of these guys, I think Miller is a good balance of stuff and command that you just, that just makes him the elite prospect that he is. Uh, But then you look at the Pepe Oats and and those guys of the world, it's definitely stuff first knack kind of more just, command. I love this stuff though. I think it plays up. Uh, I think it's going to develop more uh, than I think people give it credit for. And also really good feel for the change up already, uh, which I think is really important too. Um, and the fastball though, like that's a pitch that doesn't quite have the life that I would expect. And I don't know if that was something you saw when you were watching him, uh, but I, I know it got knocked around a little bit. Uh, and that was something I, I want to always watch these guys pitch before I even look at the numbers. Cause I don't want to have that like confirmation bias. Yeah. Um, and so I'm watching him pitch and I'm like, that changeup is, is ridiculous. Uh, I even like the slider. I thought the slider was a pretty darn good pitch because of the way he's able to command it probably more. If you're just looking at the sheer pitch, probably just above average, but I think it plays up to plus because of how well he commands it, especially to the glove side, but the fastball, you know, 
at times it just, it just didn't seem like it had that kind of life to it. I don't know if that was something that you noticed. Yeah, that was something I noticed too. I mean, he does command it well, but I mean, he's not going to burn it by you. Um, and it just doesn't really have that like extra kick that a lot of these guys fastballs have. Like it's not, it's not going to run away from lefties. It's not going to rise. It's just kind of a basic fastball. So um, obviously that emphasizes uh, importance on his command. Um, but so far so good. And I think he's going to continue to command it pretty well. Yeah. And we've seen guys with much worse fastballs cause he's still mid nineties right. and, and still pretty good spin. Uh, we've seen guys with much worse fastballs and fantastic changeups and a good breaking ball have great success in the big league. So still a lot uh, going for him. And again, one of those good balance, you got to have guys like that in your system to balance things out. You got to have some higher floor guys too. And to me has the floor of a back end of the rotation guy and the upside of a really solid swing and miss number three, in my opinion, it reminds me a little bit of Pablo Lopez uh, with maybe a, a little bit more upside because the fastball has a bit better of a profile, but Lopez has started to run it up to 95, 96 when he's healthy. And I see some similarities between those two guys as the fastball changeup combination and a good enough breaking ball as well, which I think you're taking that right <laughs> with I mean, Landon. Ack- take that with the seventh best prospect in the system. No yeah. Matter. Right. Like we're, t- <laughs> we're talking about a top 30, 35 pitcher, I think, right. You know, at least top 40 uh, in, in baseball and in Pablo Lopez when he's healthy yeah. as your number seven prospect in baseball. Like it's, it's, it's just not fair. Uh, I know Clayton beater is somebody that you really like. And again, these guys by, by mid season next year, and even maybe by preseason, if some things change, uh, they could flip flop because, I think Beater's more of the stuff profile again, uh, a little bit more volatility. Uh, what, what do you have on Beater uh, after watching him a little bit more recently? I know he was somebody that you were paying a lot of attention to after they took him out of Texas Tech. Uh, always had that ridiculous two-pitch combo with the fastball slider. But what kind of stood out to you uh, with Beater as you watched him again uh, more recently? Uh, just the, the delivery and arm slot with beater is so unique and it just, he's like slingshotting the ball, like up top and it just looks so uncomfortable to, to hit against him. Um, the metrics on the fastball are fantastic. So it's, it's got a lot of ride. Um, he's more like 93, 95, um, with beater though, it's just going to come down to the command of it. Um, he doesn't command anything especially well. Um, He's the slider at its best looks like Blake Trinan's slider. And I'm not exaggerating. That's what it looks like. It's like 88 and it is a banger. Uh, the 12, six curveball, another at least plus pitch. I mean, it has amazing shape, 80 to 83. And even his changeup is disgusting. It's also low 80. So with beater, it's just going to be, it's going to come down to how well he can command it. Um, you're looking at a more than likely a bullpen profile. Uh, with a small chance to start, but it could be he could be a dominant bullpen piece. That's what right. I think they're probably going to be looking at him from now on. So you're you're thinking bullpen most, and that's part of the reason. You know that, that bullpen risk so. was what so. was why we kind of lean knack, right? You know, just because when we're making prospect rankings, at the end, at the end of the day, it's, it's about the you know the war is kind of what we're separating it from, right? It, it's still even if you're a really good back end guy generally speaking, a really solid middle of the rotation starter is going to give you a lot more in the war department. And that's, that's why we have to factor that in. 
Uh, Beater could be more dominant in his role than Knack is in his role, but that doesn't necessarily correlate to him being a better or more valuable big leaguer. But again, this is a guy that you, you end up selecting as the Dodgers in what was it? The 66th overall pick uh, in the draft uh, in 2020. So, I mean, they just, they just hit big. Uh, And you talk about the curveball from where he releases it. It just seems like it's a nightmare to pick up out of the hand because you're looking fastball with life up and then curveball that just drops off the table from his release point. That will work against righties and lefties, right? Like that's not just something that's going to work against righties. Lefties, that breaking ball will be miserable for too. Yeah, I mean, his whole arsenal plays. There is no doubt about it. The entire arsenal is stupid. Um, just with the video, I just I don't see any consistency with landing stuff for strikes. So it's definitely concerning. But the stuff is so good and the upside is so high that you you you're gonna take a chance on him. And I I'd bet the Dodgers continue to develop him as a starter, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see Beater in a bullpen role in LA next year. Well, speaking of bullpen role in LA next year, another guy that will almost undoubtedly be in that position will be Andre Jackson, who comes in at number nine. And we got to see him at the Futures game. I was really impressed, even though, you know, we only got to see one inning since there. I've watched a lot of video on Jackson, but just being able to see him in person, the life on his fastball, another guy that, you know, I talked to the same, same players I talked to that asked, you know, who were the most difficult at bats. They didn't just say Pepio. They also said Andre Jackson, because I think Jackson has a similar effect to beater of just that weird release point that makes it hard to pick up. And Jackson's a crazy athlete too, with really ridiculous arm speed. And, you know, when, when I wrote up or, or at least did a rundown on the Dodger system, Back when I was doing Locked On MLB Prospects, Jackson was somebody that was in the 20s uh, in the top prospect rankings. And I'm looking at this guy and I'm like, I get why he's in the 20s. He hasn't been healthy. He's missed some time. We haven't seen too, too much of him. But now I think it's pretty clear that this guy could be a really, really good back end of the bullpen guy. But I'm not even willing to say that he couldn't end up in a rotation if you wanted to down the line. Like he could be that Swiss Army knife for you. Uh, if, if the Dodgers want. Yeah. And he actually picked up a few starts in LA this year and actually performed really well. And what really surprised me about him was like you said, the athleticism was through the, through the roof. Um, but the changeup was so good. Like he, like you said, his, his arm speed is crazy. So he's throwing that changeup at the same arm speed. It was keeping hitters honest. They're staying off his fastball because of it. Breaking ball was good enough, but I think, I think you're right, Arm. I think he's going to, I think you have a rotation piece right here. And do you think that the Dodgers are going to, that's, this is one of those tough spots, right? Dodgers, perennial contender, but do you stunt his growth by putting him in the bullpen? Does that necessarily stunt his growth? And a guy with a guy like him, I think it could just because he has a deep arsenal. He has a bunch of different pitches that he could attack you with. He has the four seamer that has some crazy life to it. Sometimes even throws a two seamer with a big time arm side run. He's got a cutter that whole mix in that I actually like when he's commanding it. And even as you know, the slide, he'll manipulate it more to a sweeping slider. Then he has a curveball. He has a changeup. Like you said, that's really good. Probably his best off speed pitch. Like this guy has a deep bag, which I feel like it's almost wasting. Uh, in a bullpen role because he doesn't even get to really use that whole bag. And a guy that I think just needs to kind of figure out which pitches he trusts in what spots. And again, just kind of needs the innings. Uh, what are the, how do the Dodgers handle that? 
I think I would not be surprised if he is in the Dodgers rotation wow. at the start of next year. Because I guarantee you they liked what they saw out of out of him. He carries himself with like a lot of like poise out there. He looks really comfortable in the big leagues. He's got a true plus pitch in the changeup. He's got a deep arsenal, like you said. And a lot of things another kind of point about the Dodgers right now is they really only have like three starters right now. Um, and I think a big reason why they felt like Josiah Gray was expendable was because Andre Jackson is really? ready. I think he's ready. I think you're right. That says a lot too, because I honestly think they're pretty similar in where they're at. Josiah yeah. Gray, another guy that I know you and I really like, and I think he's going to be a very, very good two or three at the big league level for a long time. But another guy that has an assortment of pitches that he just is still trying to figure out. Like he, he, he was susceptible to the long ball, still kind of just trying to figure out the way he wants to attack hitters. And that's something you just have to feel out uh, and, and work with the big league staff. Cause it's just going to be different up there. And uh, I think gray is going to really put it together next year, but I agree. I mean, you get more innings for Jackson, you get him in a starter's role. If he struggles, then you move him to the bullpen. Who cares? Yeah. Then you have that fallback. And you know what? He will be good there. I can, I can almost promise because he's going to go higher effort. He's going to be closer to the upper nineties and that stuff's just going to play up another tech. Uh, but I, I think that's the perfect situation. And, you know, again, when that's your worst case scenario is that your number nine prospect isn't a, a solid middle of the rotation, to back end guy. And he ends up being a really good back end reliever. Uh, like boohoo. I, I really don't feel bad for, for you or Dodgers fans. Uh, but going into the last guy here, uh, because you and I admittedly, and I like the one thing I'll always say, and then you and I will always say this, uh, especially as we do some more episodes on uh, the just baseball prospects pod. Once that finally launches in, in, in a couple of weeks, I'm never going to bullshit. Like I'm never going to tell you something about a prospect and pretend I know when I don't. And Luis Rodriguez, like, you and I, there's just no way we could know that much on that guy. I'm putting him at 10 because I, we, we got to see limited video. Um, and, and you can see why he got two and a half million dollars. Uh, you can see uh, why he is so highly regarded by the Dodgers camp. Uh, but it honestly was hard for me to even put him there uh, because I just haven't seen enough. And like, I have to see enough to be able to put him there, but I feel like it's just, where you look where, where he's at to get that kind of money in international free agency. He's a supposedly advanced. Uh, I see some good things in his swing. How much have you really want? Have you seen much of Luis Rodriguez at all? I think I've seen his like prospect video from him, yeah. like back in his like home country. But I mean, anytime the Dodgers shell out over 2 million for a guy, like you're on notice, like they like him. Uh, they're pretty smart. So it's kind of like, I mean, he's really athletic um, they project him to play center field. He's fast. Uh, so we're just going to wait and see how the bat plays, basically. Yeah, just I want to see more. Um, but I'm excited to see that. We're going to stick him at 10 because of the upside. Uh, but it's funny. You talk about uh, whenever the Dodgers give up that kind of money, you put him on notice and you're watching that guy. And the yeah. card market did the same thing with him. <laughs> we were talking about that on uh, Cardboard Consultants because I think everybody was just like, Oh, Dodgers shelled out money. He's athletic. I'm in. And his card value is nuts. Like he's going for me. I think more than Corbin Carroll, dude. Like think about that. What? His card, his Bowman Chrome auto is going for more than Corbin Carroll. Uh, and that, you know, that's the wow. big market effect, but like, come on, like, come on. That's we were talking about that. We're just like, that's ridiculous. Um, 
who knows what his upside is, but I'm going to go put some money into Corbin Carroll instead. Like definitely don't buy his card at this price. I'm not saying Rodriguez isn't going to be good, but like that just kind of shows you the psychology of it. Uh, And that's something that like, I think is our job too. Like we don't want to give into this too much where it's like, Oh, the Dodgers paid this guy a lot. Let's just assume that he's a top prospect. Cause I think that's kind of some of the issue in the industry is that you kind of just have that group think. And I feel like it's kind of our job sometimes to hold them accountable because I think Vargas is an instance on the other end of that group think of like, Hey, he wasn't that highly regarded. Uh, I'll need to see more. I've seen enough. Um, so yes, we're a little bit of hypocrites because we put him at 10. Uh, but you know, just with those kind of tools, I, it's just too hard to justify keeping Matt. The tools are crazy. The what? tools are crazy. The tools are crazy. The, video, the tools are crazy. So we'll, we'll see how he ends up. As we wrap up, any other names in the system that you're really looking forward to? Now, Vogel was a little bit of a disappointment this year. Still a high school guy who's tools first, freak speed as an outfielder, just overmatched, just blatantly overmatched. And, and, you know, we'll see how he bounces back next year. But anybody else that you're kind of looking at, Cody Hosey, another name that, you know, it was a bad year for him. Really, We both, that was one guy that both of us were like, high floor, like should be all right. I'm not willing to give up on Hosey. I mean, we, we look at what like Josh Young did um, and, and how he took what was a pretty mediocre season. It wasn't bad to the degree of Hosey and Young's definitely a better prospect, even at his worst. But you look at that kind of profile and Young kind of figured it out and just had a ridiculous year this year. If Hosey can even have a lighter version of that. I mean, you could have a really solid, uh, you know, high floor bat. I mean, the approach is good. I was really surprised at his struggles this year. I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah, me, neither was I. I was really high on Hosey out of the draft. Um, and especially after he made that, he was in the Dodgers alternate site and just stayed barreling balls is what I was told. Um, I know he's dealing with some injuries this year. Uh, I'm hoping that's the reason why he wasn't good, but he struck out a lot, which is concerning to me. Um, so another guy would be Maddox Bruns, uh, Dodgers first rounder from this past draft. Uh, big lefty, big time stuff, um, up to like 96, slider curveball, crazy spin rates. Uh, doesn't know where it's going right now, uh, but I'm guessing the Dodgers development system will get their hands on him and try to get him to know where it's going. And I think he could be really good. Uh, that's a guy too, you know, first round, the stuff looks good. Uh, high school good. guy, right? So, I mean, it's going to take some time and, and I think, the, the Dodgers are in a position where they can be patient with a guy like that. And I think that's why that's who they targeted in the draft. They were just going the most upside that they could get. And he's got as much upside as anybody. If he puts it together, uh, what was interesting on Hosey to wrap up with him was just, he just got blown up by heaters. And that's, that's the scary part. It's like, you're getting blown up by heaters when you're a guy who doesn't really move much. Like his swing is pretty simple. I wouldn't expect that to happen. Um, I saw plenty of him in a summer collegiate league in the NECBL where he was fantastic led that into a that breakout year he had his junior year at Tulane. Uh, we'll see. You know, injuries can really impact the swing. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously, it, he had a weird situation, and some people were, were affected by that more. If you didn't play in 2020, then you're injured in 2021. Let's chalk it up as a lost season. But we'll see how he looks in 2021. Uh, obviously, if the struggles continue, then you know we'll kind of see where he's at. But that's somebody that I'm not willing to just totally close the book on yet. And and I'm definitely interested to see how he looks. There's just too much talent there. uh, Too good of an approach overall. I think he's going to figure it out at least to a degree. uh, And and I hope he does because 
he's just he just looks like a ball player. I, I don't really know how else to describe it too. He just looks like a ball player up there. Uh, but we're gonna have this system out uh, by the time you're reading or listening to this. The system that top ten will be out. We've had a litany of top ten write ups already uh, across tons of baseball systems right now. And we're going to continue to turn them out, especially now that Dustin is on break a little bit from his rigorous uh, college and also baseball schedule. Uh, So now that we have the next month or so it's lockout season. So it's just prospect season. Uh, So I'm excited to turn out some more episodes also on the new side of the show that we'll be launching in a couple of weeks. Keep an eye out for just baseball prospects. Uh, That's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of interviews with players on that as well. Uh, and I can't wait on that side of things. Uh, any final thoughts on this Dodger system? Do you agree with me? It's got to be top five in baseball, right? It's got to be top five. There's just, there's too much talent and it just seems like the the volatility is just not extreme with a lot of these guys. I agree. They feel good about their floor and their ceiling. So um, I'm with you. It's top five system. Um, and it feels great to be a Dodger fan still. <laughs> Uh, you're not a big social media guy because you're still playing baseball and stuff. But every once in a while, you'll post a cool video or when you're playing in season and you hit a big walk off at Hawaii. Where can people follow you for when you hit your big walk off again at Oral Roberts and, and keep up with what you got going on? Just go over at Instagram. <laughs> what, uh, what's the handle? I, I, it's amazing to me how many people don't know their own Instagram handle. I have no idea what my Instagram handle is. Just look up <laughs> Dustin Demeter, D-E-M-E-T-E-R, and you look him up on the Oral Roberts roster too. It, it is amazing to me. I, I When I do the prospect interviews, I always end with that question. And I'd say more than half the time, the players are like, uh, I'm on Twitter. Like, or like, I'm on Instagram. I'm like, yes, well, what's your handle? Uh, nope, no idea. Uh, but I'm looking forward to doing more of these episodes with you, man. Uh, of course, we had to start with your Dodgers insane system. Uh, but Corbin Carroll, who I teased earlier, we're going to be writing up the Dodgers or the Dodgers, the Diamondback system soon. And I know that's one of your favorite prospects in baseball. And uh, there's a lot to like about him and that whole system, too. So we'll be doing that one soon coming up as well. That'll do it for this episode. And your lifetime best friend, Peter Apple, says something at the end of every episode. And I'll, I'll let you do the honors. It's thank you, everybody. <laughs> I I swear I watch every single episode. I don't know why I didn't know that. (laughs) Well, that one ripped. Okay. Thank you, everybody.